Welcome. Welcome to another episode of the PodQuest. PodQuest. Broadcasting from all around Vol Nation. Where we talk about Vols football, basketballs, recruiting, and exclusive interviews with those closest to the program. Now, you're about to experience the PodQuest. Good evening, Tennessee fans. This is Georgia Tech Vol, and you are listening to the one and only the pod quest. This is the January 13th, 2019 edition. If you didn't listen last week when we said happy new year, happy new year. Again, we don't take any pod quest dates off. We're rocking and ready to go. We've got an amazing group of casters and I'm so excited to, to be here because we're going to be talking, you know, all things Tennessee Vols basketball. We're in basketball season. We're almost going to be hitting March madness soon before you know it hit a little bit of recruiting. Obviously, the OC search, and uh, it's going to be a really good show. Uh, let's just get into it. So I've got uh, Powell Vols with us, PTC Vol and Bleed Orange, um, normal um, incredible casters that we have, the uh, the go-to guys of the group. So Powell, how are you, man? Thank you for being on tonight, brother. Hey, glad to be here, buddy. Glad to, glad to be here after another uh, big basketball win, uh, chopping them gators. Yeah, oh yeah, chopping them up. I love me a little gator tail with some of that dipping sauce on it. Uh, instead of eating chicken nuggets from Austin Price, we'd get some gator nuggets. That'd be good. Oh yeah. Uh, and I know we're we're looking forward to uh, spending that time up there at SEC tournament. We got to get those details going because I know we want to get the group from the Volquest from Volquest uh, together. So that's something we'll be sending out to the masses here in the next few weeks, probably uh, putting together time. But uh, that's for another time here but ptc what's up my friend ptc vol welcome again tonight my friend hey man glad to be on here again this is uh always a good time best part of my sunday for sure uh that that game was like powell said it was awesome gator chomping i got some new gator shoes uh you know like the big timers gator boots and the pimp but yeah i uh absolutely loved uh that that exchange that they deserved it and i you know i don't follow basketball all that much but this team is in is fun to watch period how they play yeah. this game they play for rick and play for each other no they do it's uh it's nice having a not even all seniors right um but just having uh, some talent out there and having some guys that have some experience. Finally, they're playing together. They're playing hard for the coaches and they have something to prove out there. Uh, they don't think that they've been handed anything just yet. It, it's it's time to go out and work, which is exciting. And if you've been living under a rock, Tennessee whooped up on the Florida Gators. It was an away game, 78-67. Our last guest of the night, Bleed Orange 23. My father, Bleed Orange, welcome. And thank you for being on. I know it's an early morning for you tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, guys, uh, it's great being on and, and uh, having a chance to hang out with everybody. Uh, for those of you who are listening, we do hang out here for a while. And, and oftentimes we'll just sit around and chat for about 30 minutes, not necessarily even talking about what's going to be happening on the podcast. But uh, really appreciate having everybody who's listening tonight. And one of the things I wanted to jump in here that <clears throat> we talked a little bit about was uh, the basketball team, obviously it was great getting a big win down there at Florida. Anytime you beat those colors, uh, it feels good. I don't care if it's swimming. Uh, it, it feels good to beat oh, Florida. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess I, I am. I'm, I'm really biased against Gators. There's no question. And, <laughs> 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 and you know, the thing that was really fun was they got so excited there at the end of the game because they thought they could win. And uh, as a Tennessee fan, you, you realize that great was the fall of that expectation. And it's always fun to see Admiral out there putting another uh, nail in the in the tail of the of the swamp donkeys down there. So, um, now, quick question, uh, Bleed Orange did. Um, did Grant Williams travel? I know that's a big question that's been going on the board. Did he travel on that pass to Schofield? No. No, that short of an answer, huh? 
<laughs> no, I tell you, you know, the thing that was odd about, you know, I know basketball happens fast, but there's a lot of things that happen in that game. Um, really, you could walk away and, and say, my gosh, there are a couple of phantom calls in that one. Um, it, it was rather annoying, but, you know, it's it, a lot happens in a basketball game and there's it, probably both sides can look at things that happen. And I don't understand this hooking stuff that they're going into now. Uh, I think that is going to create a lot of controversy. It certainly did in that game um, for us to get called. And then it looked like, you know, Grant Williams was hooked big time and they don't call on, on that. Um, so maybe it's the difference between coming up under the arm or over the arm, but it's still, still the net effect. But <clears throat> with all that said, one of the things I want to jump into and get everybody's opinion on is that uh, is doing kind of a stock up stock down stock stagnant stagnant report this week. Um, I really think that my stock up would be the team. Um, what we have seen out of this team is that their superstars don't necessarily have to be at the top of their game and carry the team throughout the entire game. Um, we've got a little deeper bench now and a little bit more balance on the team than we've had in years past. And that's because of the development that Rick Barnes has done with this team and, and the kids themselves being coachable. Um, but I think that's really an exciting aspect of this team right now is that, is that they can win even with their superstars not necessarily be playing their best game. Um, obviously, stock up is Lamont Turner. It's great to see him coming back and starting around in the form. He's an important uh, component of this team. And of course, Jordan Bowden uh, has has come up big here in the, in the SEC uh, schedule. Um, my stock steady, and this is a shout out to you, son, Georgia Tech ball. Uh, I got a, I got a shout out to Kyle Alexander. What? Uh, he <laughs> he started what out. There you go. Here we go again. Um, Kyle started out well in SEC play. Uh, he he didn't have a big numbers night. There were some foul issues and things like that. But he still had a steady game against Florida and had a good week. Um, unfortunately, uh, right now, the stock down is Ponds. And <clears throat> unlike Turner um, and, <clears throat> and unlike Bowden, uh, both of them coming off the bench and really proving their mettle uh, as uh, – coming into the game and spelling the starters. Hans having been more, it's probably going to be more relinquished to the bench. He, he seems to be losing some confidence. And, uh, and that would be really unfortunate because with his athletic skills, we, this team really needs uh, Pons to be strong. And, and uh, you know, there's a lot of things he can do other than scoring, but you can't shoot two or three air balls in a row. Um, and, and feel strong about your game. So yeah, those I'm air balls are definitely very concerning to see. Yeah, so I'm curious what the thoughts are from the rest of the team. PTC, what do you think, man? You know, I, good out to you. I think the most poignant point that you made, uh, Bleed Orange, was that the Admiral and Grant don't have to play superstar-level basketball for us to win. Our bench is deep. Um, guys like... Lamont coming back, Kyle, even Fulke, um, Jordan Bone, uh, Bowden playing well. You know, guys like that who aren't really the name or the face of our team, but they st they're still important. They play mm -hmm. together as a team, like we were discussing before we started recording. They play so well together as a team, and they, they know where they're supposed to be in relation to their teammates. It's kind of like when you have a quarterback and a wide receiver who are on such a level uh, as far as being connected that they are truly – it's almost like they're in, their, in each other's minds. you know. And that connection is throughout this entire team, not just the starting five, but even on the bench. And watching them play is just incredibly fun. Yes, it is. Yeah, I'm trying to look at some of their th three-point stats. Um, I, I mean, they were obviously unconscious, it felt like, in that first half on, on three-pointers. Um, I'm trying to look and see. How many did they get total for the game? Um, anybody, 12 so, or 12. 13, something like that. They yeah, had nine in the first 30, half. Yeah, 12 of 32. 
Um, and, and apologies for all the clicking here, trying to look to see back their entire season. I mean, you've got games where they're making, it looks like eight at the most, and they had nine in the first half against Tennessee. So I might be wrong. I'm, yeah. I'm you know, halfway they through. Did have, they did have nine in the first half. Yeah, I'm halfway through um, their season so far, and, and they've pretty much been abysmal from three. Um, so that, that was one thing that's, that's really stood out to me was goodness gracious, you know, you're in a hostile environment. You've got these guys that hadn't even made more than eight threes in a game. And again, I've missed the South Carolina and the Arkansas and the Butler game. So maybe I missed that stat. Maybe they did make more than the nine threes and or eight threes in a game. I haven't seen it yet, but, uh, these guys, you know, as Mike White was saying, just keep throwing it up there, keep chucking it. That's what they kept saying on the mic'd up. Keep shooting it, keep shooting it. And for whatever reason, they had the confidence against Tennessee. Crowd was going crazy. You know, you get someone like Alexander in foul trouble, who is my trending down is is Alexander, um, obviously scoring, you know, two points and you know having four fouls, you know, five rebounds, only being in there twenty one minutes. So he was trending down for me, but. You know, trending up for me, I know it's not a player, but Coach Barnes, the guy just continues to amaze me. Mm -hmm. Gets this team ready, you know, night in and night out. And that's the cool part. I think you guys have all alluded to this around the idea that it doesn't have to be your two superstars. It doesn't have to be, you know, um, you know, Williams or or Schofield. It can be a, you know, a, uh, a Bowden or, or a, jo- uh, a Bone or, you know, maybe it'll be a Turner. I mean, he scored 12 points. I think he's going to have a really standout game here when we when we need him at some point. But, you know, I talked about it last week, and I'll pass it to you, Powell, kind of what your thoughts were uh, on the game. But I actually brought up a question, okay, is it one or the other with Turner and Bowden? Um, can, you know, if Bowden does well, does that mean Turner doesn't do well? And it actually looks like, both of them can kind of coexist and Bowden and Turner can do well. You know, you have 29 points between the two, but that hurts Pons and Pons, you know, plays 10 minutes and scores three points. So pal, I want to pass it to you and kind of see, you know, really what else stood out to you in that game kind of trends for the team who's up and who's down uh, for you. Well, with, with Turner back in and it looks like he's, you know, shooting the ball pretty well. Um, to, person, to me, it doesn't really matter too much about what Pons, about him scoring points. I mean, I get it's a luxury. It's, you know, icing on the cake, I guess, if he score, hits a three or two or whatever. But, you know, there's only – we shoot the ball pretty well as it is, and there's only so many balls to go around. And um, I would probably rather, you know, right now, we would rather have Turner and Bowden shooting. And because those guys are just, you know, Bowden – we used to talk about Barnes and – the um, the changes he makes, you know, has made during the season and stuff. Whatever he is pushing every right button right. with this team. Um, whether it's um, you know changing going to pawns, and he gave us two or three games there in a row where he played really well, where Bowden was sort of struggling, and now all of a sudden Bowden, I mean, you could you could um, make a case for him as. I mean, he's one of our best offensive weapons all of a sudden. I know. It's unbelievable. And, yes. I mean, and, and he is – you know, I don't know if somebody's finally got to him about being aggressive or what, but, I mean, that guy's – he's going to the rim looking to dunk pretty much every time he gets the ball, you know, when he's not shooting it or whatever. And, I mean, that's that's really good, you know, just for him and, uh, just, you know, for the team in general. But, um, you know, Alexander's – He's exceeding my expectations now. I didn't think we would get this production out of him. Oh yes. Um, um, and and he and it's just, it's huge to have a guy in there that's going to get you ten to fifteen rebounds every single game. Right. I mean that's huge. Yeah, no, it's good. And again, I set stock down just because of the the floor. Yeah, I'm still. I know I'm the anti Alexander. I I just I think he's a good player. I just don't think he's an NBA player. He's starting to to kind of win me over a little bit with the past few games, but these are the kinds of games where these wet fart games, you know, and, and the, again, the referees were terrible, so they kind of took him out of it early, so that's my excuse, but I do think he's an integral part of this being a championship team. It, late you, in the game, late in the game, he had one, he had right. that sequence where he got like two or three offensive rebounds, 
and that the game was still the game was really tight. It was two or three point game or whatever. He got and um, yeah, yep. he we got the we got the ball inside to Grant and we got a three point play out of it. But it was him yep. on his own, you know, keeping that keeping that possession alive. That was a huge one. You're right, Powell. That was a, he kept that ball alive twice, and then got yeah. to Williams, and he got the got the layup and the and one out of it. That was a mm-hmm. huge play in the game late. Um, and you know the thing is, you, my concern for Ponds here's here's the thing is we've got a lot of guys on that team with experience, and these kids have kind of grown up together. They started out and they struggled to play 500 ball, but then the light went on last year and the culture was getting established. Uh, they communicate, man, I love seeing these kids play because you can see them communicating during the course of the game We're on when they're on the floor, as they're walking, you know, in timeouts, as they're coming over the bench. And, you know, one of the things I do believe it, it should not be necessary that as Bowden is increasing, that Pons is decreasing. Um, those two things really should not have a great correlation, except unless it's starting to get in Pons' head that Powden is starting to light it up and maybe he's feeling pressure to try and match that. Uh, but I do think that this is where it does help to have the leadership of, of outstanding players who the other players respect who can take somebody like Pons under their wing and say, look, buddy, you know, we've got confidence in you. You're a great player. You just do the things that we need you to do. And, you know, it's you don't take a whole season based on one game, but the last couple of games, it seems like Ponds uh, has been going a little bit backwards. So, do you? Quick question, too, Bleed Orange. Um, I mean, just looking at the box score. So, again, not an, crazy analytics here on my side, but you look at you had six players. Let's not count count Ponds here. You played ten minutes, but you had six players that played twenty or more minutes. Okay, so you. You've got uh, Alexander, 21, and Bowden and Turner both had 29. Is this an example of a tournament-style game? And, and hear me out here, a tournament-style game where not everything's going for you and, and Barnes is really tightening his lineup. Is this a, a glimpse of the future of where he's going to go? Is he going to stick with these guys? And, and when that bench gets shortened, bye-bye Ponds, bye-bye Walker, bye-bye Fulkerson. Where, you know, is this – is this a snapshot of what we're going to see when things get tight for Tennessee, where they're going to go to? I think we'll see over the course of the season. I mean, the fact of the matter is the deeper your bench, the better your team is going to be because all these guys, they, they can't play, you know, every minute of the game throughout the course of the season. There's people get injured, you know, last year uh, Grant's back was bothering him. And uh, so you're going to need a lot of people to step up and the team will be stronger. Uh, I think these guys recognize that the team will be stronger uh, the deeper that we go. And uh, I I think my guess is we'll see how it works out. But my guess is that Barnes really wants Pons to be a special player. And I think he's going to give them every opportunity to do that. I also would like to see, I mean, again, Folky is a big part of it. Love to see Derek Walker step up and see his big, you know, it's his game coming along because uh, I think he can be a real strong force force down there uh, bringing, I'm, I'm not sure about offensively yet, but uh, as far as playing defense and rebounding uh, and doing those kinds of things and filling those roles on the team, I think they're going to be important going forward. So last thing, I know you've got a little bit of time constraint here. Looking at the schedule, so we've all been kind of, discussing you know, where we think Tennessee's going to go schedule-wise, wins and losses. So even over the next five games, that's kind of where we cut it off. So there's four games left, but let's add the South Carolina game. You've got at home against Arkansas, at home against Alabama, at Vanderbilt, and then versus West Virginia. I guess it's a home game, or I don't know if that's a neutral side or not. But And then you've got at South Carolina. So the next five games, where do you see Tennessee? Do you see from a record standpoint? You see him winning them all? Well, uh, uh, the one that worries me the most is Vanderbilt. You think of Andy? You know, if, Bryce, if Bryce Drew ever gets it together, he's got the talent uh, to play with us. But, you know, does Bryce Drew get it together? Um, he's proved – he has proven that he can recruit. He hasn't proven that he can, you know, coach all that, coach all that well. I mean – the best thing that's happened in his career is when he played for his dad at Valpo and he hit that shot. Otherwise, then you know, 
what else has he done in coaching, really? Um, I'm more worried about Ole Miss being a sneaky team and then having to deal with, you know, Missouri again. I think Missouri is the last – is the last game of the season, I believe, GT? No, we've got uh, – we've got That's Auburn. At Auburn is the last Auburn. game. Auburn. Yeah. Okay, Auburn. Auburn, they've been up and down, and, yeah, they do rely on the three a bit. But sometimes they figure it out, you know, in the mid-range game and also pounding the paint. We're really good defensively, and I think that we can handle Auburn. But those games, they're not coin flips. I think we're I think we're just better. But I can tell you that they do worry me a little bit. Okay. Well, bleed orange. What do you think, my friend? You, you know, five games um, up. Can they? And by the way, I saw. I don't know if you guys saw or not. Sorry to interrupt, but Florida is that right? Florida beat West Virginia this year. By the way, don't know if you guys knew that or not. They did. Wow. <laughs> so. They lost sixty six to fifty six to Florida, so just something to think about. I kind of steal a line from from Brent. Uh, well, uh, re- everybody kind of remembers this one. Well, talking about us playing Florida in football, the old "I'll believe it when I see it." Um, I'll believe it when I see it. As far as somebody beating Tennessee in basketball right now, um, great. The fact of the matter is with the three point ball has really changed the game. And, uh, you know, I, I played with a kid in high school who was an all American and, and went to Georgia and he was scoring 30 points a game without the three ball. And, uh, but you, you know, we saw what happened with Florida there in the first half when they were knocking down threes from everywhere. Uh, it's hard to maintain that throughout the course of an entire game, but you could hit a team one night that just absolutely goes crazy and everything goes right for them and things go wrong for the balls. But it is really difficult to see anybody beating Tennessee um, in these next few games. West Virginia maybe has the, the best shot. You know, again, Ole Miss, I agree Ole Miss could be sneaky. Um, I just don't know who's going to do it right now. I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's it, you know, if, Powell, do you see anybody sneaking up on the balls here in these next five games? No, I like going through five game stretches. It makes it a little bit easier to predict. So, the the only way, like um, you know, like Orange Blood was saying, the only way is if somebody just gets, you know, becomes unconscious, you know, shooting threes or something like that. But at the same, you know, at the same time, Florida makes. We talked about this. Florida makes nine threes, and we're down, you know, in the first half, and we're only down three points. And that, you know, they had maybe not the players, but the coaches had to look at that. Florida's coaches had to look at that. And they probably had to feel like they're up 12 or 15, you know, right. because of how they played, but they're only up three. And, you know, and even though, you know, they were hot, I still didn't, you know, I, me, I did not have, I wasn't worried about the game at that point at all. Even though they were red hot, you knew they weren't going to continue shooting like that. They weren't going to make nine right. threes in the second half. <laughs> but, um, but that, that would be my only concern is if, you know, you go on the road and you play a team and, it's just like you said, nothing's going right for Tennessee, and you know another the other team is just on fire, and um, you know, and that happens, you know. So sure, that would be that's the only way we get beat. No, nobody is just going to line up and beat us, you know, beat us inside, which would be the only other way, unless somebody is just like I said, somebody's on fire from outside. There's nobody in the there's nobody in the league is going to line up and just pound us. And inside, you know, that way and beat us. There's, it's not going to happen. Yeah, and the the and I agree. You know, I don't, especially in these next five games with Arkansas, Alabama, both at home. The West Virginia game, I think, I think it's at home again. Yes. Matthew, one of those neutral site ones, but I think it's at home. Uh, then at Vandy and also at at South Carolina. The one that does give me nerves, Arkansas, they beat. Or the, actually, they lost at home to Georgia Tech, which was it's. I cannot explain that one. That's that's a crazy one for them to have lost that one. But uh, I, I th- actually think Alabama is going to potentially cause some trouble for Tennessee. It's an earlier game on a Saturday, a two p.m. game. Alabama does have some decent firepower on offense. They've got a freshman. His name's Kira Lewis Jr the leading scorer on their team, I think he's 17 years old and and he reclassified or something to be able to go to Alabama early. So um, somebody to, to 
maybe potentially worry about. He's a pretty decent three-point shooter, and he's just a good, a dang good scorer. So he averaged about 14.7 per game. They've got a couple other guys that are you know, hovering around 11, 10 points a game, but I think he might be a player we got to – someone like a Bowden's got to have a good game staying on, on, in front of him or even a Pons. But uh, I think that one's going to be iffy, but I do think Tennessee wins all five, so that's my prediction. Last thing I did want to ask Bleed Orange before we let you go, man. What do you think about the Gator Chomp at the end of the game and the whole conspiracy about that and everybody freaking out, mostly Gator fans, but what were your thoughts on that that Gator Chomp by the, the players? <laughs> All I can do is smile and and uh, and chomp in my own uh, uh, living room right along with him. Uh, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, good gosh, they're going to come into our stadium and they're going to do what they're going to do. They're going to be doing their gator chomp in football or basketball or whatever it is. And some of these, it kind of reminds me of the days when Spurrier was down there. Spurrier was a, a smart ass uh, to Tennessee, and he was to others, but he really liked to pick at Tennessee. And uh, yeah, I love because it. we didn't recruit him. <laughs> right. And I, well, he, he actually wanted to go to Florida because he didn't think Tennessee was going to throw the ball as much as he wanted to, also. But one of the things that um, we heard from the Florida, Chris, you heard from uh, Georgia Tech, you heard from your friend uh, a lot down there. They couldn't stand Lane Kiffin because, you know, the things he said about Florida. So when the shoe was on the other foot, they didn't like it too much. And they have pretty short memories about that stuff. So that's that's my take on it. And uh, I'm going to let you guys take it from here, PTC, Powell, and, of course, um, the the man that I call uh, that who calls me his biological father, the fruit of my loins, Georgia Tech ball. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave it with you guys well, to, also, in your capable hands tonight. And thanks for being on Bleed Orange. I do want to give a shout out to Alex one one eight eight. However, you, I don't know all the numbers if it's right or not, but he <laughs> did post a thread that he's trying to get his dad on VolQuest and ask for some advice. So Bleed Orange, I don't know if you got in on that thread or not, but Give them okay, a so you got it. Tell him to break him in slowly and let him use his son's account for a while, so he oh, too that's can. The worst. <laughs> that's the worst. When I would be, I'd be writing something, and then there's a reply already in the reply box. Like he, my dad's taken forty-five minutes to post a reply under my name, <laughs> and I'm just like, ah, that was the worst. This is dad here, and I'd have to say, this is the real George Tyrell. No, this is dad here. So, <laughs> that's my biggest advice is don't let your dad on your account for a couple of weeks. <laughs> so anyway, you have a good night. Get that uh, shot of NyQuil and uh, get some rest. Good night, everybody. Have a great week. All right. Good you night. have a good week too, buddy. Good night, Bleed Orange. Good night. Good night. So uh, awesome talk about the basketballs here. This is Georgia Tech Vol. We have been kind of rounding out this discussion. Tennessee, number three in the country, on fire, 14-1. and one. We think they're probably going to be 19-1 and one after the next five games, and then you're looking at a, a pretty tough uh, schedule after the next five games. So that's why we're taking five at a time with Texas A&M, Missouri, Florida again, South Carolina, Kentucky. So it'll be an interesting next five after this five, but uh, we're excited about what the future has to bring for your Tennessee volunteer basketball team. Hopefully they get to number one because Duke barely made it by FSU and uh, who else? Who's uh, who's number two or who's number? Yeah, uh, Michigan is the other one, right? Didn't they barely win Michigan. the game too? Yeah. So mm-hmm. anyway, we we're number three. So what are we complaining about? We should be happy where we are. So let's talk really quickly as well, guys. You want to talk OC hire? Do you want to do the transfer portal and recruiting? Where do we want to go from here? Uh, let's get the OC hire out of the way. We OC hire. Everybody's been complaining about the OC hire. We're finally here. Jim Chaney is brought back home. Out of all the bring blank person's name home, I never thought bring Cheney home was actually going to be it. I thought it was Sarkeesian. I made my troll post on Sarkeesian. I thought it was him. But Jim Cheney comes home and is the biggest uh, OC hire uh, physically and figuratively, um, I would say, in, in a long time for Tennessee. He's the highest paid offensive coordinator. Will not be bringing Pittman, Pittman with him. But what do you guys think of the hire? I think it's a home run, as everyone else has said. I 
I agree. Um, one of the best things I like about Cheney, and this has been mentioned a good bit, is that he he does run a pro style and it is run heavy. Uh, right. That's kind of his scheme. But he has run spread. He has done. Um, he adapts his underlying system, his foundational system, to the players that he has. Which obviously we didn't do any of that at all. Um, in it'll be nice to be able to do that. He also figures out who the best playmakers are and make sure that they touch the ball, the amount of times it takes for them to win. And you saw that with, uh, with the way he brought and with the way that he had Sony and Chubb and then Deandre Swift this year and Elijah Holyfield. I mean, you know, Georgia has a stable running back, so they could do the power run game all the time, but he always made sure that his guys were in, position to make plays and that the guys who could make plays got the ball. All right. So no, and those are all good points. Now, pal, I'm going to play devil's advocate here a little bit because we have some tape on Cheney when he was here at Tennessee, obviously. And you think about one of the most dynamic players in all of college football history. I would, I'm saying maybe that's a little too much of a stretch, but Cordero Patterson and a lot of the complaints were that we didn't get him the ball enough, right? We, we didn't put him in the backfield. We didn't throw to him enough. Do you think? Do you think one? Do you think we utilize CP uh, Cheney did enough? I know it's kind of going to the past, but do you think? And then or one, and then two. Do you think that uh, we'll be able to make figure out a way to find some playmakers? Because I don't think Tennessee's got a lot of a lot of playmakers on the you know out at wide receiver. Um, are we? You know, yes, we've got uh, Callaway, but they're slower. They're not like a Mikal Hardman. Are we going to be able to find somebody or, or scheme up to get you know these guys in, in better positions than just throw the ball up and pray? <laughs> That's um, a good point. I will tell you that Miko Hardman, the only thing he has is speed. Boy can't run routes to save his life. And I think him entering the NFL draft is a mistake on his part, but it's obviously good for us. We do have some route runners that are really good route runners, and so long as we can get that going, we're, we're good. But we got to get um, we got to get the ball to our running backs out of the backfield more, especially our main man who's coming in this year is going to be Eric Gray. He'll be number two. Uh, all of a sudden, I forgot his our number one running back's name. I can't believe I did Hi, that. Chandler. Hi, Chandler. But you know he's got good hands. Why can't we get him the ball on some swing passes, some angles, some uh, halfback slip screens? You know, do some things like that. And get it and get it going. Yeah, no, it's gonna be exciting. I'll, I mean, is there anyone you see on this roster from a wide receiver standpoint that Cheney's going to be able to maximize their talent, their value for this team? I mean, is Jennings even going to stay? Do you think? Yeah, I don't know about Jennings. Um, he's, you know, he flirted with wanting to be wanting to leave last year, so you just kind of wonder where his head is. He, right. you know, and stuff. But um, you know, it's. I think we're. We're not, you know, elite talented at wide receiver. Um, I think we're good enough that you can scheme the wide receivers because um, you know it doesn't really it doesn't really matter what the defense is playing. There's always going to be holes somewhere. You just got to figure out where those are and get the right guy in those positions. And um, and I think you know hopefully Cheney can do that. I'm I'm gonna I look at I look at the Cheney hire a little bit different. And him being a veteran coach, veteran play caller, he's been around. Um, I think it's good for Pruitt to have somebody, and I right. hope he does this, you know, and, and so that he can just give the offense to him and he doesn't have to worry about it. And I think he needs that load off of his shoulders to be able to, you know, to be a head coach. Right. And, and I know you always got to worry about what everything else is going on and stuff, but in his – just in his, you know, young career, um, he doesn't. I'm hoping this takes the offense away from him, where he can concentrate on his defense and and not have to worry about that side of the ball too much. And um, and I, you know, I I think Cheney makes us better, and that's the main thing. Is are we getting better? I think Cheney makes us better. Right. At least, at least makes us competent finally from an offensive yeah. standpoint, I think. And again, like you've said, Powell, a great offensive mind. And I, I wholeheartedly agree. It gives Pruitt the opportunity to do, I mean, this, this was a, 
you you look at all the names and there's still potentially some question marks, I think. You look at the Yursich and the Hugh Freeze, not necessarily Freeze, but Freeze was never, I don't, I guess never really a possibility or maybe he was or going to get vetoed or whatever. But you look at the Yursich, you look at some of these other names that are kind of floating around, you know, Will Friend, maybe bring <laughs> internal hire or whatever it is. Right. It's like, gosh, there's still maybe some question marks with some of these guys that were popping up that you were hearing that were maybe good names, but you didn't have that sense of comfort or whatever. And I just feel like Cheney, there's that sense of comfort, like, gosh, we know what we're going to get here. This guy's pretty dang competent. Is, you know, is he the best OC in football? Who knows? I mean, he's, he's pretty dang good though. And I, you know, I, if I'm Jared Garantano, I'm going to sleep pretty happy, you know, every night right now, looking at Tyler Bray highlights <laughs> from, you know, Tyler's junior year. Uh, Cause they threw that ball around and, you know, he's not the arm talent as a, as a Tyler Bray, but he could have a pretty dang good season next year if, if they put him in the right spots and if they have an offensive line. So now we'll uh, pretty- something to think about guys yeah. um, with uh, Callaway and Jennings. And I love both of them. I think they're fantastic. Mm-hmm. Neither one of them can really do much of anything as far as stretching the field, but they are fantastic possession receivers yes. uh they have to be on the field and they need to be at all times but when you need something to happen you go to one of those the only mm-hmm. um guys that are actually speedy you know tyler bird where does he go jordan murphy can't he get on the field um and keaton uh coming in he's a speedy guy We've got to have some folks step up and be able to stretch the defense because in a pro style offense, you're going to be, you're going to want to stretch the field vertically. Who's going to be that guy. We're going to have to figure out some fairly exotic combo routes in order to shake coverages because we really don't have anybody that's that fast. Uh, I think that's a good point. And, and if I, if actually I'm going to go out on a limb here, if Tyler bird is not fully in the doghouse, he's going to have a killer year next year. Um, that would be good. That, that's my one crazy prediction for right now. But if, uh, you know, if uh, whatever Jordan Murphy is going to take his spot as that kind of speedy burner receiver and, you know, then, then let it be or, or, or Keaton that comes in as a, a true freshman, let it be. But goodness, if I'm Jim Chaney, I'm like, gosh, here's a hidden gem potentially in, in a Tyler Bird. So we'll see if he can take advantage of that. Anything else on those C talk guys or, we, you know, because I kind of started hinting towards offensive line, and there's an offensive lineman that has entered the magical transfer portal. Richmond. <laughs> what do you guys? Uh, what is up with this portal, by the way? And do you? Th- what, I think it's hilarious that everyone is freaking out about the portal on the Volquest. It's, it's the way you, the way I look at the portal is this: you are a student who, student athlete who is not playing very much, or um, as a grad transfer and they're whatever you may be, whatever reason you're leaving your team. And it's a way for you to signify to the entire country. Hey guys, come recruit me. I'm ready to go. Who's interested. And then you pick your landing spot that you want to go to. It's basically like a second recruitment over. If you think about it in a kind of an oversimplistic, simplistic term. Um, but the problem with Drew Richmond being in there is that is our thinnest, weakest spot on the entire yeah. team. And if nothing else, he's at least a body that we can throw in there. Right. So, yeah. You hate seeing that. So Powell, what do you what do you think, man? I think the portal is kind of a little bit of BS as well, because you have you have Austin Kendall, who was a Tennessee committed a number of years ago at Oklahoma. He was the next in line for Murray. He maybe is here and stuff. So he's gonna freaking why would you, you know, leave Oklahoma? Then you have the guy from Ohio State yapping his mouth, and, and then uh, Fields goes up there, and then now he's in the portal. You, I, what are your thoughts on this thing? Because I feel like you need to have – if you go in the portal, you can't come out of the portal. Like, you ain't going back to the school. Like, if you put yourself out there, you ain't coming back. And then also I think you sh- there's a time limit. Is there a time limit on the portal? Like, you can be in there for a week or whatever, or is it just however long you want to be in there? I, I really don't know. It, is this is this like the first year they have had this? Because I've never – if, if this isn't the first year they've had this, I, I never knew anything about it. I think it's the first year that yeah, it's being I've, public. I've never heard of it. I think it's the first okay. year it's being publicly 
like you can access the names. Okay. Well, that was my, that was actually another question I had for you too was, is this actually a, a physical place you can go to and look at people that are in it? I didn't, you know, I didn't know if that was on the internet somewhere or whatever. I, I didn't know. Um, but it's, this, this is almost like free agency sort of, um, Good where point. A, t a team can go and look into this and go around the country and look at all these and, you know, go find a player they need. And, uh, and, and I guess it, it, it could have its benefits for some teams. Um, like I agree with PDC on this where, uh, Richmond, he ain't a world beater, but he seemed to get better at times last year. And he is another body. And, you know, we can't afford to lose offensive linemen right now. I mean, it's just our weakest point, probably our weakest part of the yep. whole football team. And, um, you know, more than likely, he, and he may have saw, he may see the writing on the wall, especially if Darnell Wright, we get him, uh, which looks pretty good at this point. But, you know, he may see that he's going to have to fight a freshman off for playing time. And so that may, that may have been part of his, his decision to try to find another landing spot. But, right. Um, but I really, you know, I wish he wouldn't leave. Because he, you know, I don't know that he helps us, but like like we said, he's another body. He's another body on the practice field, um, you know, and we need all the bodies we can get right now up front. Right. Yeah, and some other notable names, uh, non-vol. Uh, Lamont Wade was a big-time five-star guy that yeah. – it was us in Penn State, I believe, and I think he went to Penn State, right, guys? That's right. But, yeah, he was mm – -hmm. Real, I think he was like five nine or something like that, and he was one of the. I don't know how he was rated a five star, but he must be a bust up there in, uh, up there at. Uh, mm -hmm. I won't say the names. I'll just be nice and say Penn State. I don't know how they have a football. You're talking about Lamont Wade. No, uh, yeah, yeah, just saying. Yeah, I'm saying I don't know. My, I was trying to make a hit at Penn State, <laughs> freaking football program after all the crap that they did up there. Yeah, yeah. But that's a whole nother, uh, whole nother time, but. You know, we've got a couple other guys from Tennessee. I don't want to say no name guys, but a couple other guys put their name in the portal. I think Richmond was the biggest head scratcher, as, as we've all kind of talked mm -hmm. about, because you have a guy that started for a number of years, has added some depth, and you you thought that he was he was a VFL. And my point being, as you've got this new type of free agency in, in college football, there needs to be some something around it where there's either a time limit. And then also I think that if somebody puts their name in the portal, you can't come back to that school. I know that's a harsh thing, but that's what we do. We do stupid takes here. So that's my take. My hot take is if you go in the portal, you ain't freaking coming out back to the same spot. <laughs> so someone like a Richmond, he's going to go out and see what his opportunities are. And it's like, okay, well, you started for three years and you're going to go or Kent, you know, Austin Kendall. It's like, goodness gracious. Go fight yeah. for a starting job for one of the top teams in the country. You just want to quit, go somewhere else. Unless there's a hardship or something, then that's a whole nother, you know, oh, somebody's sick or whatever it is. But it's going to be interesting. I think it's one of the most radical changes in college football with this happening. It's going to be unbelievable. The next, This is just the tip of the iceberg with this portal stuff. And I can't wait for the creativity on VolQuest when we keep talking portal. I, I, it's just been super fun this past week with all the portal threads. Yeah, looking at who all, we, yep, go ahead. who all do we have that I know Latrell Williams, I believe, is in there, and it seems like there's one other besides Richmond. It seems like there's one other player that's in there. I know, did did Wolf did he transfer? Like, did he want her? Wolf went into the portal. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if he's, made, I mean, it's <laughs> um, it's funny to me, man. Sorry, yeah, um. I was like, I think I saw a thread or, or um, something. I don't know. Maybe I thought about this myself. What if they had a coach's portal? <laughs> I know. Uh, you know that. I mean, you could you could see who uh, is looking around. I mean, if the players can do it, um, you know, I don't know. It'd be kind of neat to see the you know who all coaches are would like to you know move up or move away or whatever. I mean. Well, yeah, right. I mean, it's kind of like when these when these players, they get scholarships and they're essentially signing contracts with, with these universities. Yep. As are – there's motion at my front door for some reason. But uh, 
they're signing they're signing contracts very similar to these coaches signing contracts in their state institutions and you could probably do freedom you know information acts and all that kind of stuff to to see who's potentially transferring to another school or whatever changing you know whatever but i think it's very interesting and there's so many changes going on in college football which make it neat um and again with even the, the college football playoff that had just happened, there, there's going to be even more shakeups, you know, I think in, in the years to come as everyone's trying to, which I think now catch Clemson, unfortunately, but uh, keep up with Alabama and Clemson. So it's going to be interesting. We're looking at recruiting really quickly, guys. An interesting recruiting weekend, having a couple big name guys in here, a couple out of the, out of the box uh, visits, I guess, too, with, I believe is the LSU commit, but then also having Henry Tawotoo in, and uh, I think a couple. Oh, having uh, Ladarius Cox in, and there the, all the Cox's firm threads that were in there, which I thought were pretty. <laughs> fun. But uh, you know, what, what do we think about this recruiting weekend? It, you know, kind of feels like it's slowing down a little bit, hitting signing day, or the second signing day. Well, how many guys are we actually like? recruiting now i mean, I mean we got down to four or five guys at the most now that's the only thing it kind of kind of the only thing i don't like about the early the early signing day is you know after that it just kind of feels like you're done almost i mean you got a few guys out there but it just it kills the whole the whole the i don't know prestige or whatever the, the excitement of national the original national signing day that led up to that and that that is gone now you know and right. i don't know if they'll ever and and i was somebody that was i was i was in favor of the early signing period and but now i'm you know not so sure but um, um that's interesting I'm, Powell. let me let me ask you why were you in favor of the early signing period well because only because tennessee was this was this is when it was first talked about maybe like 10 years ago or so or something like that and um i was for it just because um with tennessee like recruiting nationally they could get national guys like guys that are not in the state of tennessee or guys maybe not in the southeast go ahead and get them done and so they don't have to worry about those guys anymore just because we don't have we're not like florida or florida state or miami or even georgia some of those some of those schools who you know, they just have to recruit a couple hundred miles away from their school and they're good. You know, we don't, we can't do that. So I thought it would benefit us to have, since we recruit just about every state, have guys wrapped up early so we don't have to worry about those guys anymore. I thought it would help us. And I'm not so sure that helps us now. Yeah, I don't think, I think it, it definitely helps the, the kind of blue bloods and the, the top, teams right now because it, it makes it predictable for them. So they go really hard after their guys and it's, you go, you swing for the fences. A lot of these guys are, they're, they're convincing the top players in the country to even do the early enrollment and you start what's right. the pool of talent after this, after this first wave, most of them are getting signed. They're going to school early. And then what's left, you've got some scraggler three stars and it's kind of like a second round of a draft or something. So um, it's it's really interesting, and I don't know if what if I'm in favor of it or not. I, I have no idea, but I I don't think it helps us short term. I think if Tennessee becomes a top tier program again, which I'm hoping and praying, then I think it does potentially help us out. But right now, it's it makes it really difficult because now how do we fill up the rest of the class? You've got yeah, <laughs> Tuotua. You're hoping you've got Cox that is going to stay on, and who else are they going to go for? Yeah, that Char- is Charles Moore one of them? He, or is he 2019? Yes. No. Charles Moore. Uh, isn't, isn't he – no, isn't he – isn't he uh, 2018? He's, I think he's this cycle. Yeah, he's this cycle, yes. 20 – yeah, 2019. 18, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep, okay. The, the guy that – yeah, we're talking about the guy that decommitted from Mississippi State or whatever just last yeah. week. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, think we a, push. I think we push really hard for that guy. Right. And, and, and um, 
I know I don't know who all the schools. I know us in Auburn, and I don't know who else is involved. I think Texas A and M is one. Uh, that's right. That's right. Yes. He said it says he visited Auburn. Of course, Rodney Gardner, Bagman, uh, December seventh, and then Florida. He's visiting. Um, I visited the past couple of days, so I don't know. Um, maybe we can get a little update. I'm kind of going through their website. Uh, yeah, it says Gators pull ahead for Charles Moore, so it looks like he's super okay. high on them right now. So, well, he just visited there. Yeah, he just did. So he says he doesn't know about exact dates. He's going to visit LSU in Tennessee. He's he thinks getting a degree from uh, this is a quote. With unfortunately, just getting a degree from Florida will take me a long way. Florida brand is big. It's a premier football school, but having a degree from like a Yale or a Harvard or something. So that <laughs> seems to be what they're selling down there. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so it's that's that's all good and well. They're selling them. Interesting. Yeah, selling them something down there. But uh, anyway, so looks like we got a little bit of catch up, but Tennessee does – have a uh, a visit coming up, so it'll be LSU and Tennessee the last two visits. So I think, we, I think if we get the last visit, I think we uh, I think we can get him. Do we get so to and Do you guys think? I think that's trending our way pretty good, right? Pretty fast, right? Uh, now. Yeah, uh, you know he doesn't um, he doesn't does he have his has he has he already visited Alabama officially? Uh, do y'all know? know. I don't, know. I don't know if he has or not, but I know that he's going to end up visiting Oregon and I think Washington, um, Washington or maybe yeah. it's may, it may be Oregon and Utah. I'm not sure which, um, but I know that none of the Pac-12 schools are actually in play for him. So it's kind of down to us and Bama. And if Tosh Lupoy ends up going elsewhere, I think that we sit in the catbird seat. Yeah, like his his visit to Bama is January 25th, and then he's got a visit to Oregon February 1st. Okay, um, that tw- that January twenty fifth visit is the one that we need to watch, right? Yeah. Well, hey, I mean, Oregon's been doing some stuff recruiting as well, and maybe there's the pull there of hey, you want to stay on the West Coast and kind of closer to home, you know, go to Oregon. We got cool jerseys, so I don't know if that's really a thing anymore these days. None of that. He's he he wants to play in the SEC though. Oh, okay. Everything yeah. that I've read about him on various sites, he wants. To- Bless down to us and and Bama, and if we can pull one over on Bama, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I, I get a little nervous with the Tua Tagovailoa and all that. Uh, we don't really have that the Hawaiian flair in in Knoxville, <laughs> but uh, we did our best job with Niedermeyer tweeting today. So we got to give a shout right? to Mister Niedermeyer. Pay that man. Pay him some money. Yeah, he is so good. I know. Yes, he is. It's great. It's it's good. Um, and it really, but kind of last thing I want to talk about. Before we wrap this thing up, PTC, you made an interesting point on uh, Jaden Hazelwood. Uh, and by the way, that that kid's a player. I'm glad he's not going to be in the Dude. FC. He, he crushed it in the All-American game, as did Dominic Blaylock, who's going to UGA. And he's from Walton High School, which I graduated from. So go Raiders. But uh, You went to Walton High School? I thought I you were somewhere in Marietta. Yeah, I went to Walton High School. So um, Out in Loganville. No, Walton's in uh, East Cobb. Uh, there's a Walton uh, High School out in Loganville, too. Oh, okay. That's Walton County. Yeah. So um, what do you think yeah, about his I, comments? There are some comments that he made. You know, I, I don't, I don't know what the why he feels that way, but the fact that he said it publicly is going you to be. Say what he said? What did he say? Uh, he said that the Georgia coaches were fake. Um. You know, it kind of brings us back to our own snake oil salesman and and what he did. But what does what does it mean? I don't know. What does it actually mean? I, does it have any consequence? We're not going to know probably for another couple of recruiting cycles. Did, was there any merit to what he said? Um, it was interesting to me, probably the most interesting thing to me, not that he said that they were fake, but that Justin Fields never – once said anything to him about coming to Georgia. I think that's a, I that's, think that's a lie. Uh, you think it's a lie? I 100% think that's a lie because they're feeding Hazelwood one thing. You know, we need a playmaker and all these kinds of things. You're going to have these guys throwing at you. 
And I, I guarantee you, he talked to Fields and Fields is saying all that stuff, you know, because Fields was talking about being the dang portal for who knows how long now. So, well, that's what I'm saying. Is I'm, I don't think Fields actually told him to come to Georgia. Okay, I got you now. No, no, I don't think he recruited him at all. That's what I'm saying. Right. Um, I believe that if there was talk, it was probably like, hey, look, I, you know, I'm not happy here. This is not what I want. And I'm out. Did he? I Gerald believe that. Did did Fields Gerald Jones, uh, Georgia? Um, I don't know if he said anything bad about Georgia. I don't know if he. I don't know if that's you know the kind of guy Justin Fields is. But is it possible? It absolutely is. And I don't. I, you know, we were talking before we started. If with all the transfers out uh, of. Georgia, you know, declaring for the draft. Also, with Hazelwood's comments, the people leaving uh, Georgia, as far as coaches are concerned, and the people leaving Alabama, you know, are they on the decline? You know, just kind of like with a recession, you have to have three uh, quarters, consecutive quarters of negative growth for it to be a recession. It, could this hurt them in some way? Maybe, but we've got to see more evidence of it actually hurting them over a longer period of time for them to say, yeah, they're on the decline. It certainly is a horrible look. And what is perception? It's reality. Uh, if that's what recruits are hearing about Kirby and uh, whoever else is still on staff, because, you know, Cheney's gone, Mel Tucker's gone, uh, Sam Pittman, he's still there. But we've talked about that he doesn't really recruit anybody. He recruits maybe two or three guys a year. So if they're going to have the offensive juggernaut that they want, how are they going to make that happen? And if the perception is out there and recruits are talking, what are they what are they saying? Because peer recruiting is far more influential than any other type of recruiting unless it's mama. So that being said, if that rumor is out there and Georgia can't get away from it, it's going to hurt them. I agree it's going to be next year. It's not going to be next year, and it won't be the following year. It'll be a trickle factor because they are loaded, period, and mm-hmm. they are reloading mm-hmm. again this year. So, what part of that starts to fall apart? It'll be interesting um, to see, but I don't know. I don't know what what's going to happen. I don't. Um, and if it's crumbling like we think it might, um, even if it starts to crumble just slowly. That's a head man problem, and that is just going to come back and haunt Kirby for anything forward that he he's going to have. No, especially when, especially when you're when you're when you're not bringing home when you're not bringing home hardware, and you you know you in you know I understand you got to beat Alabama to to get to the championship games and, and and all that with Georgia, but when you know I, the the whole situation feels like they missed their chance last year. And uh, I agree. And I don't. And I don't know why I feel that way, but I do. And it's like, um, it almost. It, it. I felt like they should be better this year, or at least be the same. And it almost feels like they took a step back. And I don't really count the bowl game necessarily because that's just, you know, that was that's a. It was. I'm sure none of their players. or not say none of them, but it's probably hard to get ready for that when you missed your missed your chance. Um, at playing, yeah. you know, and so that's hard to get up for, but um, I don't, you know, it's kind of the whole the whole Georgia vibe to me is it's just not going as planned. Um, and now you have, you know, recruit, you have a lot of players leaving, you have uh, coaches leaving, you have recruits talking, you know, it just doesn't feel good for them. In my opinion, yeah, no, yeah. I, I think to this point, there's a lot. Of, I don't want to say it's fake until it you make it, but you know, he came. You know, what's his face? Kirby, Kirby Smart came in with a lot of those five star recruits that were already there due to Mark Richt and a program that was humming and and that had won, I think, ten games before <laughs> before Richt was even fired. And it's like goodness gracious. Mm-hmm. So he inherited a monster, and I mm-hmm. think he took a lot of that momentum and. That second year, a lot of those, a lot of those guys, everything hit beautifully for them that year, and then and Fromm had a great overachieving year, his true freshman year, and this year they still had a great year. But I I, I agree, Powell. Last year was 
I believe their their window and their opportunity to kind of, not necessarily sneak up on people, but have that underdog and right kind of stuff. And now they're the ones with the target on their back after one year. So um, I, I think that they did miss their window. They were pissed off that they didn't. You know, they thought that they were anointed after one year. I, I kept. You know, I re, I even remember hearing David Pollock talking about how George is just. And even a lot of the ESPN guys still are saying, well, Georgia's still in the picture, Georgia, 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 and they haven't won anything yet. So yeah. they, they still haven't beaten Alabama. They probably never will beat Alabama. And it's like, but they're anointed as one of these top teams. It's ridiculous. I, I think people almost give Al- or Georgia too much, more credit than they give freaking Clemson. <laughs> they well, want to anoint Georgia. As some- you, you really can't say Georgia hasn't won anything. I mean, they won that and, title, but they beat, and, they beat Auburn. They didn't even beat Alabama. That's because Auburn beat Alabama. It doesn't matter. This isn't transitive property. That's the number one thing on Volcom. No, you can't use transitive I'm, property. I'm just saying that <laughs> Auburn beat Alabama to get to the SEC championship game. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter who Georgia ends up playing the SEC championship game. They still won it, and they won that. And they were literally a play away from winning the national championship that year by beating Alabama until, you yeah. know, obviously Baby Tua came up and – drill them. Um, they're, they're still a good team. They are still going to recruit heavily, but that fan base is starving just like ours. You know, yeah. you want to talk about a decade of futility for us. Well, at least we've had a, you know, national championship in the past 20 years. It's been since 1980 and, you know, the God, the God himself at running back um, yeah. being on the team for them. So, and at least we have basketball to look forward to. We beat them ninety six to fifty on their home court. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, I mean, true. come on. Yeah. So, and you know, we 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 talk about it a lot, and of, especially on the board. But they are literally the most delusional fan base yep. in the entire nation. Oh, they are. Yes, and. Yep. You know, while I've got a lot of friends that are Georgia fans and uh, a lot of them that are UGA grads, and I love them to death, I, it's just hard to be around them during football season because they think they're God's gift to you know SEC football. And as much as I hate Georgia, there's got to be some type of balance there for them to at least figure out how to get by Alabama. You know, in the SEC championship game, when they're playing Alabama, I just can't watch it because I hate both teams so much. I yeah. cannot yeah. watch it. Um, but I don't know, that as long game, as you, remember that one game they did that blackout and they had air. Yeah, it was like 2008, 2009. That was yeah. one of the best games I've ever watched in my life. That was hilarious. That was incredible. Yeah. The game was over at halftime. Everybody was quiet. They're all wearing the black jerseys and stuff. That was fun. Um, but. but. I will say really quickly, I'll pass it back to you, PTC, but you were talking about the fans. The thing that really bothers me, and it's not like, okay, this is our year. Everybody says this is our year, right? All that kind of stuff. They have literally the lowest football IQ out of all the fan bases. That's the (laughs) Yeah. They literally don't know what they're talking about, and that that part just really bothers me. So I'll pass it back to you, man. Um, You got to remember, though. Georgia is going to be Georgia regardless of who they get on campus because they're always going to have really good players. It is, other than Florida, it is probably the most talent-rich state for football in the entire U.S. It just is. Um, one of the things that's going to be really interesting to watch, though, with Georgia is how is this uh, – is it Jeff Collins or Nick Collins – that's coming over to Tech Jeff. to coach. So he's coming over to Tech. I don't know what he's going to run as an offense, but as I understand it, he doesn't run the triple option. Yeah, they're doing so, the spread, so he's really trying to shake things up. All right, so there you go. You'll be running that type of offense. You know, what kind of defense is he going to run too? You're going to be – I mean, Georgia Tech is quite literally in the epicenter of college football recruiting for Georgia. Oh yeah. So if he can agree hundred percent. And if he can get that North Avenue trade school moving with recruiting, he -hmm. is literally going to be a huge drain on Georgia. That is good for us. Right. Uh Very good for us. That's actually especially with especially with the rise of the talent that we 
that we have seen in Tennessee. And that's one thing we can only kind of hope for, but I will say there have been some results. So Jeff Collins was the recruiting coordinator for the top class in Georgia tech history that produced guys like Derek Morgan and uh, Morgan Burnett, uh, who was like a second or third round draft pick by the Packers and had a very long career. Oh yeah. Derek yeah. Morgan yeah. was a first round pick of the Titans. I believe defensive end had a great college career among, there were some others in there, Josh Nesbitt, Jonathan Dwyer, these big four, big time four star. He also, um, he also um, recruited and got a guy for, um, for my high school named Ruben Houston. Okay. So yeah, he, he, he started really at the bottom and, and worked his way up and became recruiting coordinator and kind of reminded me of Niedemeyer and Niedemeyer's early days. I mean, so it's, it's pretty cool uh, to see. And he's worked under Nick Saban. Everybody seems like they've worked under Nick Saban and all that kind of stuff. So <laughs> I to your point again, if, if he can poach some recruits in Georgia and kind of soften their recruiting base a little bit and shuffle some things up, because again, there wasn't even any, pushback from Paul Johnson, not to say he was lazy, but he was going after two stars, barely even three star guys. And he's like, look, I'll just out scheme you. And I'll throw this kid from, you know, Birmingham, Alabama in there. Who's not even, doesn't even have stars. He'll be my quarterback. I don't give a damn. And he'll just throw him out there. So Paul Johnson won when he had a bunch of four stars that Jeff Collins recruited. So it's, it's like, good. Mm-hmm. hopefully he, he can get to, you know, get Georgia tech back there. Because uh, it helps Tennessee out. So, anyway, we've had a jam-packed night. Anything else we want to keep hating on Georgia a little bit or anything else we want to talk about, guys? I think we covered it all for sure. Yeah. Very cool. Well, a, a fun night again. We appreciate I, I can't say enough as we're in 2019. We're going to keep adding some really cool stuff, some really fun stuff. We're going to add some more guests from the board. We're going to add some more interviews with the VolQuest staff and others. We're going to have former players on here. And we're working on a couple big things. Also, uh, the last thing I do want to add, we are looking at doing a VolQuest get-together during the SEC tournament. So I'll be posting something with the guys soon here. So be on the lookout for that. But again, thank you, everybody, for listening to the podcast. Have a good evening. Mm-hmm.